You are listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And we're dipping back into familiar waters with a gross tape from 1992. Yes, this is a really cool one. And I think it's been a really long time since we've done a gross tape episode. So it felt like a good time to do one. And this one being Mortal Vision Knocked Music. Mortal Vision being the project of Hiroshi Hasegawa, best known for Astro and CCCC, I guess. I guess. I mean, I know that's that's where you know him from. That's, <laughs> for the, that's sure. and his own, you know, work under his own name, of course. Hey, great, good job with that guess. It was a great guess. <laughs> right. I'm assuming, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and one of the classic gross packagings with this sort of art paper also with Xerox on it to delineate some areas and uh, borders and then also the wonderful silver printing. But there's even more than that Mm -hmm. because we have this weird thin wire mesh insert glued onto the cover that has a uh, sticker on it with the title also in the nice silver ink. I love the way gross tapes look always the attention to detail, the meticulousness, the, just the beauty of them. And this one is, is no different. This is one of the standouts. I mean, it's gross Oh five, right? So this is early Mm -hmm. days and obviously spent some time putting these beautiful things together. Early gross. And we're going to dig right into the tape because we're going to be saving our recent listening discussion for our extra segment for the patrons. So stay tuned for after we discuss this for what we've been getting into, as well as a story about going to see a show overseas a few years ago that Gray did that we didn't. Yeah. But we want to talk about it because, well, you'll see why. Well, if you'd like to talk about your future listening, we can discuss night music, which, you know, for me took me back to my early childhood when I, was really into getting classical music on cassette. And that's what I kind of like to listen to all the time. I had trouble sleeping even as a child. And so I did have a cassette called Night Music. And it it is a style that is adopted by Bella Bartok. Gray, have you ever heard Night Music? I have not. So it's a a Hungarian composer. um, And he lived until about 1945. And the style of night music was classified by eerie dissonances, providing a backdrop to the sounds of nature and lonely melodies. Most of the works of night music did not necessarily incorporate a title. Um, And he was a guy who was known as like the the father of ethnomusicology because he would go around to different areas in Hungary to where like the Maiar people are and other um, Romney peoples and and try to record their uh, folk melodies and and did some recordings of those would write them down by hand or do a re-recording. It was also a time when he did a lot of documentation on those uh, wax Edison tubes. So he did, we do have like a lot of actual recordings from Bella Bartok of his own field recordings and of him playing other folk musics. But the 
night music series of his work, it does feel that there is some connection to this tape. Yeah. Once, you know, I, my brain kept going to night music and I couldn't remember where I was remembering that because I could, I even, I think on the tapes that I had, there were even intros like explaining what night music was. And after looking it up and listening tomorrow, I'm like, yes, I, I definitely had this. It's very austere. Um, there's a lot of space in between. It's lonely music. It is very, very evocative, simplified. You have long tones. And frequently Bartok would try to incorporate the sounds of, say, something like a Hungarian frog and then use the sound of that frog and then use that as part of the melody and expand from that. Um, and, and, and using other devices and sounds of the night such as that. Well, there is some sort of lonely quality to this tape. Well, it, it gave me... It's funny you have a different translation for, or you have a different interpretation of the title night music or knocked music, which is the title and it's in German and knowing Hiroshi's love of like kraut rock and space rock. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, in what next the year after he recorded this, he would, he would start doing Astro uh, with synthesizers and, and kind of make that more of a, his prevalent project. Whereas this is kind of only did this release in a seven inch. And so I associated it with with Krautrock and I thought it was very much from like, you know, there's uh, Klaus Schultz had picture music. And so mm -hmm. Mortal Vision has night music. And so my leanings and thoughts on this one went a little more towards the Krautrock spacey end of things. And also the the black and silver of it, which I know is also kind of standard gross, but also makes me think of like the first Hawkwind record. <laughs> oh, certainly. And I'm sure that's a combination of all these things or, Hey, maybe we're just totally off base on all of it. Yeah. That's, who knows? Well, this he is did speculation, but there are certainly points in some samples you're listening to that did sound like the chaotic, possibly oscillator, not exactly sure what he's using at this point. It's, it is early for his solo work, obviously 92. There's, but because no matter what, because we're given night as the reference point, mm -hmm. you can't help but be surrounded by a darkness while checking out this tape. And absolutely, Hasegawa said that he was influenced heavily by Klaus Schultz. For sure. For sure. Yes. Who wasn't? The exactly. dusty, loopy nature of a lot of this, it brings to mind some sort of cheap pedal, which I don't ever associate with Japanese noise, but it, this almost has a found pedal feel to it. Just the, the actual sound of all of it. It's really ragged and fuzzy, and especially early on, it's it starts out sort of hollow, kind of massive drain sound that we've talked about on this podcast. I don't know how many times, which which I love. And yeah, early on, you're trying to figure out what the instrumentation is actually because you're not realizing that it's entirely guitar based. It there's feedback. There's definitely, especially on the A side, what sound like vocals and. 
yeah, there's there's a ragged edge to the whole thing, this sort of distortion over the entire thing that kind of carries through there. But then there's obviously some other effects in there because you get either it's physically moving the guitar to manipulate these feedback tones or there's some sort of phasing. And I think that is because it's very much on a cycle or loop at points in it where it's it's going through its oscillation and shifting up and down. But dusty is a good word for it, although it's it doesn't feel dusty out of disuse you know it's it's sort of old and battered maybe oh absolutely and the the strings really interact with whatever they're being rung through or what they're ever whatever they're being rung with because they're colliding in this way that it's it's it has this primitive feel to it yeah i definitely was taken to alchemy and medieval magic and wizardry. And I don't know if it is that sonic sensation of being sucked through a tube. I even made a note to say, this sounds like a a very hollow mechanical tube. Gray, what would make that sound? So gray, what, what, what gives that, that feeling of going down a metallic drain? Uh, Delay and reverb can do that depending on the settings with like a high feedback short kind of time on it can definitely give the hollow sound amplifiers in a room. I mean, I feel like that's mm-hmm. also part of it is that maybe this was recorded with it. mics mm-hmm. and recorded in a room. And we're also when using a guitar for noise, you're also you're using those pickups, right? Those those are microphones. They're picking up what's going on, and especially when you have the sort of feedback in this and maybe there are vocals, but the vocals are yelled into a guitar, right? So maybe, and I can't tell. It's like the on the first portion of the first track, I really felt like there were vocals. As it goes on, I'm I'm less and less sure of it, which I like. This keeps me guessing. Uh, and to me, guitar noise is such a primitive thing. You kind of used that word earlier, but it's such a primitive and expressive thing. And I think a lot of people who come to noise had maybe when they were younger started out playing guitar. I was terrible at it, but of course had a guitar. It's the common sort of first instrument a lot of people get to pick up when they look to do something outside of say what a school band or something right and so mangling it and using it wrong is something that a lot of us know how to do or are comfortable doing like just put something on it step on it like rub something against it use whatever you can and it will make different sounds while still being kind of the same sound because it's coming from the same thing the same object, the same strings resonating. You've got the same pickups, but you can get such a, an expressive variety of sound out of it. And that's kind of what makes guitar in rock music. So popular is that it can just be played in a million different ways by everyone, but everyone has their own sort of unique style. And that's the thing with guitar noise is that this doesn't sound like Solmania. This doesn't sound no. like diesel guitar, you know, like this sounds no. yeah, no, like mortal vision. And I really appreciate that. Well, I would say I don't normally gravitate towards guitar noise. It's not something I also avoid. Like, it's not something that I won't check out or won't listen to. Obviously, I have this tape and really enjoy it. But it's it almost feels traditional while not sounding kind of anything like traditional guitar music. No, I know what you mean. He said in an interview that he always feels that noise is a fertile music. So I believe there are many 
opposite elements in it. And I think that's true here. There's these opposite elements created through the guitar, the feedback, but then these low, dirtier tones in classic noise extra tradition. I in no way thought I heard vocals or even entered my brain that there were vocals. I did not either. I th- but hey, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an album discussion if one of us <laughs> doesn't hear vocals and, and two of the other people are like, what are you talking but about? We, we did have that debate while we were listening about whether or not there were horns or horns there's, samples. Isn't there points where it feels it's like just there's horns. horns? Like, look, I and, and did I you, did you hear that? I did not hear a single See, horn. Are you shitting me? These, it was okay, these listen. Screeching points where it felt like maybe it was, or maybe a sample, or again, maybe it was some primitive synth. Oh, that something was the that he was getting to used me. to. That was the. That oh, was, I just well, there was feel like there's zero way that there are not horns or samples of horns on this album. I it was so funny when I was and I said something about the horns and Michael's like, "What are you talking about? I think it's just like guitar noise. It's it might be you know other uh, electronic synthesizers." I was like, "No, that's not possible. It's just not possible. Hey, I will not accept it." It's what I this, think. It's what I noise know, takes us on these 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 strange sonic journeys where we all hear something. But I know later different. in his practice, Hiroshi, you know, tended to go towards field recordings and samples, especially you know after 2010. So in my mind, this was some of the first dabbling. I know it's 1992. Maybe it wasn't possible. Maybe he had a sampler. Maybe it is night music being sampled. I don't know, but I just feel in my heart that there are horns somewhere in here. You know, the way we hear things is so different and the way that people approach sound is so different. In 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 an interview, Hiroshi talks about this and talks about the use of equipment and the people behind the equipment, something... I feel incredibly strongly about. And he says, if the system of the same equipment and setup is there, when the artists who operate it are different, the sound created will have completely different taste. Created The created sound will reflect something of the creator's personality or consciousness. From such a viewpoint, there is no existence of the same sound in the world. And on the other hand, there are unborn sounds infinitely. And I love that idea that there's this infinite world of unborn sounds and it's just the creator behind the equipment who's going to pull it out. So it goes in the same way of listening. The the listener is creating these ideas about what they're hearing and it can come completely the listener pedal from and the, the other, artist from three pedal. other people who just <laughs> listen to the exact same thing. I love that. That's that's one of the great things about noise. And I think we and from the same interview we have quoted this in the past, and that is when Hiroshi Asagawa says that noise is just regarded as bad taste music for maniac people. And you know, I'm I'm taking it out of context because he says, you know, in other countries it's recognized as a culture and academic aspects. But I would like to just take that out and just embrace bad taste music for maniac people because I I like thinking of it that way. It's certainly one of our favorite quotes. We did 
read that in our CCCC episode on Love and Noise a long time ago, but it's always mm-hmm. worth repeating because what a great quote. Bad taste music for maniac people. But I feel like this tape, it's got a good taste. It leaves a good it's, taste it's, in my mouth. Well, but you know, it is very much, it's not wild and fast. It is mid-paced and in its own way austere. Okay, look, there's definitely some riffing on this, especially on the B side. Yeah. Especially on the B side. But the A side is is very much searchlights over a, a lake at night. Okay, but are, while we're talking about interpretations and things we may have heard or didn't hear, around 21 minutes on the A side, the whammy bar moment? <laughs> not sure i i believe is i'm sure it's there i i didn't necessarily note that what 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 happened during that tell moment us about, I the just, tell us about the moment i just felt i just felt like there was there was some either some some neck bending or some whammy bar action i'm on sure this giving it this really uneasy feel and also this sort of like flair to it that it maybe didn't feel like it had at other points in it I, that's all i was just kind of surprised because it didn't feel like something that was being used at all throughout you know the past 20 minutes and then i'm like wait is that is that whammy going on hey it it very well might be i mean around 15 minutes or so maybe a little over halfway on the side when that feedback really starts to rise and take over in this new section and then it becomes almost there is this austereness to this section where it becomes almost like a dirty ambient slowness i mean it's certainly noisy but it there's a it slows down after that feedback starts to take over. Yeah, you have moments where you, there's one ringing sound, like like at four minutes, you just have one squealing tone, and everything else just drops out. And it's those bright spots that give it that that lonely feeling. You guys are talking about exact times that I have written on my note sheet here to have four oh. minutes extended feedback zone and a oh, guitar so notes <laughs> at nine minutes, the feedback uh, and the high tones come creeping through. They're like pushing through the sound. And at 15, it's when it gets kind of droning and more atmospheric and ambient hey. feeling. So hey, sometimes we're on the same track. It's see, we, we do link up here on our notes for this. It's just that, uh, it's just, you missed the horns, man. Oh, you, we, <laughs> You guys didn't hear the vocals, so I don't know what to tell you. It all it's it, it all happens that way. But I really that's what I think of when I think of Mortal Vision is that that strange stillness. Now, because there's there's really only there's this, and then there's a seven inch, and then there's a a modern split from a few years ago yeah, that's, with Astro. that's he just did like a split with mm. himself sort of thing I haven't heard that but actually the way we've pretty much always heard this is the version that's on the the box and on the Herzog's gross box the way that box is done is that each side is edited down to a, to a side so <laughs> I but I in my mind that is the the entire feel of Mortal Vision is a slower darkness and it's such a great name it's it's mm-hmm. one of those that i can't believe he didn't continue on using that name it's actually been stolen by a thrash metal band oh oh yeah yeah <laughs> well you know 
Hopefully with respect. <laughs> I'm sure they have never heard Mortal Vision. <laughs> well, no. You know what? I shouldn't make that assumption. I don't know those people, but I'm yeah. going to, I would guess that they're not familiar with Mortal Vision. <laughs> Maybe they are though. Maybe they are. Maybe they're huge fans. It's not, not impossible. The, which version of this tape do you have, Gray? Is, there, is it the Chrome or is it the... Yeah, I do have the the Chrome first edition of the tape, yes. And wasn't it reissued on Urashima as well? There was a reissue uh, back in like 2016 or something. Mm-hmm. But the, the tapeness of it, I think there's something so tape about this. And I think it is that, mm-hmm. again, when a lot of times you think of Japanese artists, you do think of direct in you think you think of things like government alpha or third organ or Mersbau that feel a little more fi where this is just not that but i guess cccc i don't think of it being fi. i think of it being live and i think of it being in the moment this feels very much in the moment like this was done in in one setting with minimal layering yeah it absolutely. doesn't it doesn't feel four tracked no no this feels like live takes Especially on the B side when you have rotating insects in a mist, swirling tubes, well, and, a, and a night tornado. Well, that's pretty great that you thought that because I also was taken to being outside at night in the mountains and valleys of the Japanese countryside. Not that I have been there in person, but it took me there mentally. And so certainly there would be native insects flying around and that, that that feedback that fills the skies like rain in the beginning slow and menacing i love that the way this side starts this one i was definitely less focused on sort of listening and more absorbing mm-hmm. this side than the a side because it's it it also bludgeons you right i mean this is two 24 minute tracks so right of course longer pieces are Sometimes an endurance test, especially for sitting focused listening. And sometimes they were great just on in the background. And so after focusing intently for 24 minutes on the A side and making a bunch of notes, the B side, I kind of close my eyes and let my mind wander. And yeah, night total, total darkness is like the, the order of business on this one for me. And I, I know I've mentioned this, another guitar noise record before in an episode, uh, which is the uh, Jesse Peterson, I Just Collided with a Tricky Shade of Dark, which is a record I, again, I th- I think I got from the artist at some point. Not sure where, don't know anything about it, but it's also this sort of pitch black guitar noise, atmospheric stuff. And it's also black and silver. So maybe, maybe an homage to this, maybe, you know, black and silver just looks good. I mean, because <laughs> it, it does. Well, What's the style of that compared to this? Less noisy in my memory, but I haven't thrown it on in a while. Uh, But also like somewhere between this and like uh, Kaiji Hano uh, Watashi Dake without the vocals. Right. But like that's like tortured guitar, but also ambient noise guitar. Right. So it, it had it, it, but it's just maybe not as dirty sounding. This is a pretty dirty and noisy side, even when it's in, it's more restrained and this B side is more restrained. There's also where we get the slow modulation. And I think there has to be some sort of phaser or other modulation in play here because you get 
the sweeps and the feedback and in the sound are a lot more controlled and because of their speed, they feel more methodical. So this side, while I said there is some like riffing and dive bomb kind of feel on this one as we get through it a bit, it's also noticeable that there's maybe a, an added effect, although it's not overpowering. It's not changing the base of it. It's like this one starts off slightly different and has a just a different feel to it. But it's one of those things that you're going to notice when you're sitting here listening to it. If you throw it on, you're going to get two 24 minute sides of total right. noise. Yeah, the, and they're heavy on the bass. I there this one definitely did, especially on the second half of it. I felt that it was there there is a crushing element to it, but it there's an airiness to it. So there's this sense of the of the night air, but there is an oppressive crushing quality to it. And maybe that is the length of it, like you're saying, Grave. It's listening to something for almost an hour and two side long things. So the way it's each side goes, you're just going with this expansive piece. I mean, it's, I like how we're describing it. Like it is ambient. Right. Right. Because it it can be taken that way. Yeah. in, In a way, this very, this has the feel of ambience because of that droning bass and the the slower pace of everything. Yeah, and and it doesn't have it's not fast, it's not caught up and it's not electronics that are to the forefront. It, and again, tying into the concept of of night music. Yeah, and, and it's so much about atmosphere. I think that's this tape is just dripping in atmosphere and I think that especially for with gross you do think of a lot of more austere clean recordings or at least higher fi recordings but this doesn't have that but some of those early gross tapes don't necessarily i mean the uh, the first the taint tape on gross has a great oh it's so good low yeah dirty obviously it's taint but it's and 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 then it's on gross you know so it but so it has that a clear, what? a clear dirt. Oh, that's one of the best. <laughs> Quite right? pronounced, and one dirt. of the best titles, right? Strange feeling, shit coming. <laughs> we'll love it forever. Well, you know, I think what you guys are both missing is the absolute saxophone that is on there. I don't know. I wrote. I declare that there is a saxophone on here. Do you think um, we'd be as into it if there was, though? Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, it goes it because. Whether or not you're into it, it's there, and I have declared it. I'm calling it no horns on this one. I'm yeah. calling horns. I'm 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 I think I'm 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 on Gray's side. I, I think don't... the lonely melodies are are coming from buried samples of horns. I'll I I'm going with Gray. Is that I don't think there's horns in it, but in I will cave, concede like that away. if. If there is, it's maybe it's a tape of something. No, I think it's a tape of something. It's exactly what I think but it is. I think it's a tape. I'm not or not. a sample of something, but most likely it's a tape that's being played that has the horns that I hear and the strings. That but Mike I also hears. don't think of Hiroshi or or CCCC or Astro any nope. of his projects as using tapes or samples or right? horns. No. Nope. Right. Right. 
But I like that he did end up using samples. That is true. I mean, that is true. Eventually, he uses sample samples. Astro uses samples. That is true. And heavily uses samples, and and not the equipment as much. So I'm just saying it had to start somewhere. Maybe it started here. Hey, I'm all about the speculation, <laughs> and I'm all about the conversation. I think that's. Absolutely. Isn't it fun when you do a re-listen and you're like, what was I hearing? I have no idea. Oh, I, there's those vocals and I don't hear any horns. So I reserve the right to completely hey guys, change I my mind. I didn't hear strings. I'm just kidding. I totally oh, did. Suck. I totally did. <laughs> like guitar strings. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but definitely you have that beautiful, evocative chaos and the crumbling and the feel of nighttime and this just gorgeous lonely ambience throughout both sides whatever's being used whatever's being played whatever this is whatever's happening in this modulated and sweeping feedback tube it's definitely a lonely night mood have you seen astro live since no fun because he played no fun I'll admit that I don't really remember. I mean, it was such a all, all no funds are basically a blur. Mm -hmm. Certainly saw, but I actually can't say I remember the set, to be honest. Gray, have you seen Astro since those days? Maybe an Astro Mero show, but that, there was oh, also did, that at oh, No Fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, or is that what I'm thinking of? Did, did Astro did a, did a solo set at No also, Fun, yes, too, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Astro Mero CD set where Romero is repping hive mind in the oh it's true in his shirt fantastic <laughs> did, but did you see those astro romero or you that was because those were on the west coast but it was before you were there right before right, you were out right. here yeah i don't i don't think that he's played anywhere near no us i definitely haven't seen anything other than no fun those times but he certainly plays a ton still it'd be awesome to get a chance to see him. Yeah. In this interview, he talks, the interviewer asks a, asks a, a question. Let's say that in many years, a small child finds a box in an old house. In the box is a Hiroshi Hasegawa CD and something to play it on. What feeling do you hope the listener has after playing your CD? And I like this idea of in the, in the future, someone discovers this mm -hmm. CD, but he relates a story about being a kid and getting into sound and some of his early experiences with sound. He says, that's an interesting question. Actually, I answered in another interview that when I was a child, I'd been absorbed in field recordings by an old reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder in my house and playing back and listening to it. Also, I have another episode. In 1970, when I was around six or seven years old, the expo was given in Osaka. And I have a huge impact from a piece that performed in the pavilion. In there, the music and sound I'd never heard was resounding, and it made me feel strange like I'd opened a forbidden door. I was fascinated, and I still remember after 47 years. Perhaps that was a work of Karl Heinz Stockhausen in, West, in the West Germany pavilion from that unique experience. I'll be happy if the child senses wonder and the strange feeling that stimulates his or her imagination, which can remain until the child became an adult, like my experience. I love that, that he remembers the expo. And I think we've had other Japanese artists reference mm -hmm. that expo. Yeah. 
as well as that memory of the field recording, because that's something that our in our interview with Jakob Kierkegaard talks about is those is those early experiences of a child messing with the real the real. And so I think it's really great that Hasegawa has these feelings from that early on and something that continued on with him till this day. Yeah. Well, he brought back my memory of being into he Hungarian did. composers uh, of Liszt and Bella Bartok. I think I actually was into like some Austrians and to Dvorak at the time. Um completely uh came flooding back. I think it's so cool that still he's he brought you back to that memory and that memory of those mm-hmm. early days of listening to what in your mind must have been well, such strange I I, I really I did really enjoy it because it it they have these minimalist points sometimes spaces with silence in them that you don't get you know with with a lot of composers like I think I was into waltzes prior to that you know and so there is this strangeness to it and I would listen to it to fall asleep at night and it would just put me in this space where I could completely relax and fall asleep and just be encapsulated by that sound and even then I it just felt like this was a strange world and, and it wasn't your normal take on a classical piece it was the world of night music and the world that tapes like this mortal vision tape can create and so many gross tapes, the worlds that they envelop. I also really like how gross didn't do a lot of repeats ex- aside from Obe. It's a lot of they, someone would do one gross tape, maybe a split mm-hmm. yeah, here and there, I, I, you know, maybe part of us, a, a thing, but overall you get, you get, if there's a one mortal vision, there's one third organ, the you know I I think that's such a cool way to but but it all becomes gross right you you think of it all as gross it's all high quality but also even when I'm listening to say something like third organ I don't I, like I listen to the third organ gross when I'm in a gross zone not necessarily when I'm in a third organ zone it's weird with gross huh, even yeah. if in a zone it's almost like you're in a gross zone. So I don't. That's how I listen to it sometimes. I think good labels that can do like, that to you, like the yeah, presentation right? and the and the overall just thoughts associated with it can take you there. So, yeah, I know I know what you mean. When if you were in a third organ zone, you're going through a few things. You might pop the gross tape on, but if you're in a in a gross mood, right? You know, it's you're just reaching for things on the label and kind of getting that same that feel. And the artwork is all connected, and that's that's nice. The similar design and everything. Well, still being very unique. Silver mesh. Oh, I Gray, love do you it. remember where you got this cassette? I do not. Yeah, this I I you know would be I'd love to come across uh one of these someday. Uh what a lot of our grosses came from one stop on a tour that a, a store had a bunch and just grabbed them all. And it's a lot of weird ones. A Isn't lot- that just upsetting when you're like I might pick something up and then you find a lot of something that you absolutely need to pick up. It depends. It, 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 it just depends. <laughs> That's how much money you got in the yeah, bank account. I was going to say it depends. <laughs> it just depends on the day. Sometimes it's the best. Sometimes it's, you just, it's the worst. Like, <laughs> it oh, just, damn it. <laughs> it just depends on the day. But it was so great getting to see a lot of the gross classics at Hoffman's that 
we had oh, that was yet. just just drooling all over them. I can still yeah. feel some of them in my hands. I love, and I also <laughs> we also just love that image of of Akafumi just sitting replying to every letter at night. <laughs> you know, being so specific about having a cigarette dangling out, out of the mouth. And, you know, cigarette. And Actually, a friend it, of ours just sent me some photos of Akafumi and uh, of some original gross paste ups for the layouts. And they looked, Amazing. they looked beautiful. Amazing. Oh, uh, so, so nice. Such a great image to associate with anytime you're listening to a gross tape. And anytime you throw this Mortal Vision on, I love it. And I, man, I think it'd be cool. I think he should bring back Mortal Vision. It's such a, such a great project. And, you know, maybe a lot of it's just gone into his solo work under his own name or under mm-hmm. Astro. But I, I wouldn't be mad if he pulled out an another Mortal Vision release. I think this is a great... Yeah, I'm down for Hiroshi Hasegawa. I'm down for CCCC. I mean, who is Down isn't? for Astro. Any of the projects. Hey, let's go. Let's go. I am down. What a cool one. Great, great recommendation. This was a great recommendation for this mm-hmm. one, too. Sometimes you're in a mood. Hey, it's a great mood to be in. I am happy that this was the mood you were in. It's yeah, just wait till after sunset. Throw this on. If you got a porch, sit out there. Listen to it outside. I am absolutely down for that. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. We're going to hop over on the Patreon and talk about some recent listening. And like we said, a, a trip to see a show a few years ago that Gray took that relates to recent listening. So we're going to hop over and talk about that. Hey, we'll be back next week. Talk to you then. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.